Before we read the passage, just a reminder of where we're coming from. Remember, John has been writing this letter, and the first issue that came up was that there were some people that said they had a relationship with God, but they still walked in darkness. And John said, no, no, this, is, this can't be. And then other people said, actually, we don't sin at all. Maybe they don't have particular sins that they're dealing with. Or some people are saying, I don't even have a sin nature. And John says, no, no, no. This is not true. We do sin. Even believers sin. And then, just when we might say, well, what's the use then if we all keep on sinning and we all do sin? What's the purpose then? And John told us last week our purpose He's writing that we not sin. He wants us to pursue godliness. He wants us to pursue holiness. And he set before us Jesus Christ as the advocate, the propitiation. He's the righteous one. That's what he So as you, Christian, struggle with sin, fight with sin, keep your eyes on Christ, our advocate with the Father, the propitiation for our sins. He is the righteous one. And now, today, he moves on to another subject. As we have said, he sets three tests out in this book. And the question that he pre presents is, how can you know that you know God? And so that is the question we want to wrestle with today. How can you know that you know God? We started off this book talking John is concerned about our assurance of the faith. And this question touches that, doesn't it? How can you know that you know God? How can you be assured that you are a Christian? And so he's going to give three tests to know. Can you know that you're a Christian? The answer is yes, and he gives three tests. All right? There is a moral test, there is a relational test, and there will be a doctrinal test. And it's going to be in that order. So today, we're just going to look at the moral test that he sets before us. And then we'll follow up um, with the relational test and then the doctrinal test. So, let's read God's word together, starting at verse 3, and uh, we'll go down. Uh, starting in verse 3, let's read. That which we have seen, we've, I'm sorry, I'm in chapter 2, starting in verse 3. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Sends the reading of God's word. So how do you know that you know him? I mean, that is the question that all of us have to ask in our own hearts, isn't it? How do you know that you know him? If you say that you're a Christian, how do you know you're in the saving relationship with Jesus Christ? How do you know you don't just know things about Jesus? If you were raised in a Christian home, how do you know you... Well, I just got facts in my head. 
Like two plus two is four. I know that. How do you know you don't have just facts? Well, he gives these tests, right? And he gives these tests so you can have a firm and, and a certain answer, and you can say, yes, I am a believer, and this is what my life, it bears out in my life. My life gives testimony to the fact that I am a believer. What I believe uh, gives testimony to the fact that I am a believer. So he wants us to have a sure answer to the question, how do you know that you know God? He wants to strip away any self-righteousness. And so I'm speaking as one who was raised in church. We can depend on our own goodness, our own knowledge, if you were brought up in church and you know all the right answers, you are, there's a serious danger of self-delusion. You could say, I did this when I was 10 years old. Therefore, I have to be okay because people told me I was okay. Beware self-delusion. John warns us. He, he, he wants us to strip that away. Whatever we are counting on, uh, If we say, how do I know that I know God, if it's anything other than what he says here in this book, we need to examine where our hope really lies. Notice John does not say, and he does not point to some past action on our part, does he? So if I were to ask you, how do you know you're a Christian, and you say, well, I prayed this prayer. That's not what John does. Or you might say, because I walked this aisle. Well, that's not what John does. Or you might say this, I know I was a Christian because I had this great feeling. Man, I just felt happy. That's not what John does. That's not the answer that he gives, is it? He points us to the power of the gospel that actually changes your whole life. That's where he points us to. So, so let's look at it. Let, let's examine it. As we examine it, do you know God? Here's the moral test. Uh, just in how, how the verses lay out. Verse 3, you've got this um, uh, moral test stated, right? And it, you're going to say he's going to put it a couple different ways, okay? Uh, so here is something by which you can judge your claims that you have a true knowledge of God. Here's here's the way that you can do that. Uh, He is not saying, and I want to make this clear as we start. He's not saying, here's some tests by which you need to judge everybody else by. (laughs) All right? He's not doing that. For you, in your heart, here are the questions that you need to ask yourself. Not of other people, but of your own heart. To know, do I have a relationship with the living God? We look at ourselves and we ask these questions. And what's the first, the expression of the first test? Do you keep God's command? That's in the first test. And then in verse 4, he's going to give a negative example. Okay? You know that you don't know God if you don't keep his commands. Then... Verse, you, the third part you see in verse 5, um, he's going to come back around. He's going to say the same thing again. We know uh, 
We know that we know God when the love of God comes to fruition in our obeying his word. And then we'll get another negative example as well. In that last negative example, the person says, oh, I abide in Christ. I, I am united with him. But if that person isn't living in the way that Jesus lived, they're not telling the truth. All right? So this is how this outlines today. Well, let's walk through. And I, but I want you just to look three things because he does repeat uh, uh, his emphasis, he, he says things in the same thing in different ways, and he brings two negative examples out. So, when he says, do you know that you know God? That's the first thing we want to ask of ourselves. Second thing, do you know that you know God by obeying his word? That, that's what he directs us at. Third thing, you know that you know God if you're abiding in him and walking in the way that Jesus himself lived. All right? So that's what we're going to do. Those three things, that's what I want us to look at together this morning. So first thing, you know that you know God in our desiring to keep or our keeping his commandments. That's verse 3. Look at that with me. John says, by this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. So John is not saying, let's start with the negative. He's not saying, if you want to know God, you need to keep his commandments. That's not what he's saying. He is not saying this. Um, if you want to be justified, you need to obey the commandments. If you want to be saved, won't you start obeying the commandments? He's not saying that. He's not saying, if you want a saving relationship with God, here's what you need to do. You need to obey the commandments. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, here's how you know that you know God. If your life, out of your life, flows obedience to his word. All right? It, the fact that you know God will be displayed in, in your obedience to God. That's what he's saying, all right? So it's important. He's not saying you get to know God by keeping his commandments. He's saying that if we do know God, we'll want to keep his commandments. That's, that's a big distinction, but it's important, and we need to keep that. He's not teaching salvation by obedience, He's saying that because of your salvation, that obedience will be evidenced, and that is going to contribute to your assurance of the faith. So, he's giving you diagnostic questions to check, to ask. How do I know that I know God? How do you know that you know God? It's a great question, isn't it? And here's some diagnostic questions. I know that I know God because I desire to keep, or I am. I'm keeping God's commandments. And then he supplies these tests. Because there's some people who claim to be Christians, and they're not Christians. And there's some people who claim to be Christians, and they really are Christians. And he's saying, here's one way that you can identify the real McCoy. Here's one way you can identify who he is and who's not? Here's how I can identify if I am or if I'm not. So, test one, 
Do you obey? Do you obey God? Do you obey his word? Do you keep God's commandments? That's test number one. Is the Bible your rule for faith and practice? Do you seek to live this word out in your daily life? So one way that grace is evidenced in our life, if I say that I'm a Christian, one of the evidences of that is that I want to be obedient to God in the way I live. That's what it looks like. So I'll pause there. He is not saying that you keep God's law perfectly. You know how I know that? Because he just wrote uh, John chapter 1, where he said, We're gonna, we all sin. We do. So he's not like uh, Dory in Finding Nemo with short-term memory loss. He doesn't forget what he just said in chapter 1, right? He knows what he said. I know what I just told you in John chapter 1. Christians will continue to sin. Here's a mark that you are a Christian. You want to obey him. You seek to live out his will in your life. You want to obey his word in your life. That's the mark. Do we do that perfectly? No. He's already dealt with that in chapter 1. But he is saying there are those who love God's word, and they love to obey God's word. They are, by grace, strengthened to some extent to be obedient to God's word. And that is a witness that they really do truly know God. That's, that's a witness. That's evidence that they know him. Their fellowship knowledge with God, true knowledge of God, results in they want to be obedient to him. They know his grace, so they want to respond in ways that, is, that are obedient. You know, the saving relationship with God always is a transformed life. Now, it's, it, it's varied, right? Even in each individual, it's varied. Some days I look more transformed than other days. But... God's saving grace always transforms our lives. It never leaves us unchanged. To know him is everything. It changes everything. It changes us from the inside out. The new covenant, right? That now he's changed our hearts and we love to obey his commandments. This is in the new covenant. So do you believe his word? I hope you say yes to that. The second part is, do you obey his word? They're connected. If you really believe it, you'll want to obey it. If you don't believe it, eh, you'll just shrug your shoulders to it. If you don't desire to keep, in some measure, God's commandments, he says, that's a sign that you don't know God. And that's the second thing that we see. It's that negative. He takes that first statement, and here's the negative. The one who says, I've come to know him, but they don't keep his commandments. Verse 4, you're a liar. Is that offensive to you? It might be. If I, as I was working on this, I thought, man, that's kind of a, calling somebody a liar. That's kind of strong. But that's what he says, isn't it? If you, if you say... I've come to know God, but you don't keep his commandments? You're a liar. 
That's the other side of the truth. If you claim to know him, but your life isn't changed by knowing him, that's a certain sign that you don't know him. You don't know him. You don't know the God of the Bible. You don't know salvation in Christ. Notice he does not say, you know, your problem is all cut up with truth. You're all cut up with truth. You've got all this head knowledge, but you don't have any heart knowledge. That's not what he says. Um, the one who says, I know God, but doesn't live that way, the truth is not in him. Did you hear that? It's not in him. So he's not saying, yeah, you know this truth, but you just haven't put that to practical use yet. No, no, he said, if you don't, if it hasn't changed your life, you really don't know the truth. You don't know it. You have no truth. Because the truth of God turns your world completely upside down. Changes you. It changes everything. It always leads to this transformed life. If that transformed life is not there... should not assume you know the truth. You never met God. You never met the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know what it is to be forgiven of your sins because when that occurs, it changes everything. Everything. I mean, and this isn't the only place you see this, right? True grace always reigns in righteousness, Paul says in Romans 5. Grace salvation always leads to obedience, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. Justification always is accompanied by sanctification, he says in Romans chapter 8. Faith always shows itself in works, James says, James chapter 2. So, over and over, the Bible stresses this point. If you say you are a believer, there will be an evidence of that, right? So if you say you're a believer and there is no evidence of it, it means you're not. You're not. Don't go trusting some feeling or some action that you did if your life does not bear testimony to the fact that you have a changed life. Truth always expresses itself in action. Faith, trust, real knowledge of God is always expressed in action. The action of obeying his commandments. We know we don't know him if we don't want to keep his commandments. So that's the question that each and every one ask yourself. Do I love keeping his commandments? Yeah, I know I don't do it perfectly, but do I want to? Do I want to obey him perfectly? All right? Or do you say, I don't care anything about obeying him. Third thing. He says, we know that we know God when we, the love of God comes to fruition in keeping his word. So he expresses the same thing. He just says it in a different way. Whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this, we know that we are in him. So, you can imagine, right? Somebody says, oh, John, 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 John. No, no, John, I love God. I do. I, lo I love God. And John says, you do? Hmm. Well, everyone that loves God loves his word. They love his commandments. 
They long to do his commandments. Everyone who truly loves God, that love is perfected in his obedience to God's commands. So this first test, do you obey God's word? Now it's expressed a little bit differently right here in verse 5. Do you show your love for God by keeping his word? Same, same truth, he just expresses it in a different way. True love for God expresses itself not in sentimental language, right? It's not sappy language. It's not even Christianese, Christian language. That is not how love for God expresses itself. True love for God expresses itself not in mystical experience. Oh, the hairs on my neck stood up, and I was tingly and washed over. No, no, that's not how love of God expresses itself. True love for God expresses itself this way, moral obedience. Will you obey him? If you really love him, you will obey him. So imagine this. Imagine the husband who says to his wife, Honey, oh, I, I love you so much. You, you are everything in the world to me. And he, he, he brings gifts and he gives flowers. But every week he's got a new lover. He's got, he has an affair with a different woman every week. His words mean nothing, do they? They mean nothing. His words ring hollow. Why? Because true love is shown in loyalty. Do you love me? Are you loyal to my word? Are you committed to my word? The truth of God does not exist in order just to promote right notions about God. Yeah, I know I know God because I believe in the Trinity, or I believe Jesus died on the cross, or I believe Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Those things are all true. But a love of God does not just merely promote right truths about God. It promotes active obedience to God. So that Christ has been raised from the dead, now I will walk in newness of life. That's what belief looks like. That's what love of God looks like. In love and obedience to his work. I love him so much, I'm going to be obedient to him. Love delights to do the will of God. That's Jesus' refrain over and over again in the, in the Gospels, right? John break, picks that up repeatedly in the Gospel. Jesus says, it is my meat, it is my food, it's my sustenance to do the will of the one who has sent me. Jesus loved to do the will of God. And so if we're like Jesus... We will love to do God's will as well. If we love God, we keep his commandments. That obedience, if we keep his commandments, that gives evidence that we really do love him. Remember what Jesus told his disciples? The night when Jesus was betrayed in the upper room, Jesus said in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, do what? Keep my commandments. That's what the master said. Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Here's how it's evidenced. I mean, you could tell me all day that you love him, but if you do not keep his commandments, 
Your life betrays that very testimony that you say with your lips. You don't keep the commandment so he will love you. No, he loves us first. But if you really love him, this is what it looks like. So the Christian that's ever, any Christian who says you can love Christ and not keep his commandments, you're contradicting what the master said. I mean, that happened with a uh, uh, popular American preacher this week, right? Said, oh, this last Sunday, he says, oh, yeah, it's unrealistic to lay on um, homosexual community uh, chastity that they should remain chaste. Yeah, that let them follow Christ, and we should not expect them to live uh, uh, chaste lives. That's denying what the master says. Do you love God? The way that love is shown is by obedience. Final thing. We know that we don't know God when we claim to be abiding in him, but we do not live the way Jesus lives. Verse 6 says, The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the manner as Jesus walked. So imagine somebody saying, Oh, John, I'm abiding in Christ, John. And John says, Good, good for you. If you are abiding in Christ, I know one thing that's going to happen. Your life's going to look like Jesus' life. <laughs> that's what it'll look like. If you are in union with Christ and you're abiding in Christ, you're going to walk the way Jesus walked. You're going to live the way Jesus lived. Jesus lived in obedience to the Father. If you abide in Christ, what does that mean? Let's just, what does it mean to abide in Christ? Well, to abide in Christ is to experience this life-giving relationship. It's the deepest, closest sort of our fellowship, our, uh, our fellowship with God is through union with Christ. And so we are so, by faith, connected and by the Holy Spirit, brought into the union with the person of Jesus Christ, that this relationship flows out. And it's not just some passive relationship. It's a, it changes everything. It's a relationship that it flows forth in the activity and obedience and commitment and love for God's will and following in Christ's ways. So someone says, I'm abiding in Christ. John says, good, good. You abide in Christ. There's no doubt then that your life will be lived walking in the ways that Jesus walked. That's what a transformed life. You won't walk the way you used to walk. You will walk in a transformed life. If you're resting in Christ, if you found him to be the source of every spiritual blessing, if you are trusting in Christ for your salvation, if you have fellowship with God by grace through the work of Jesus Christ, if you have received this by faith alone, that life has changed. It's changed. Everyone who is united with Christ expresses that union with Christ 
by living like Christ. You emulate Christ's love. You, you, Christ's love for the Heavenly Father, his obedience. That's how you want to live. We want to live that out. Now, will we do that perfectly? No. We're not, not looking for that. If you're looking for perfect obedience, no one will ever be saved. No one would ever have any assurance at all. No one will ever pass this test. But by grace, by grace, this work of God is in our hearts so that obedience flows forward from our lives. We, just as Jesus loved to obey the Father, now we love to obey the Father in all things. Friends, one of, the, one of the struggles in our age, right, in our world, there is a desire in our church to follow Christ, to obey Christ, to love Christ, and at the same time, follow in the world and be like the world and love the world. There's a, that is a constant pull, isn't it? Well, here's a, here's a strange encouragement for you. Here's John writing less than 50 years after Jesus leaves the earth. And you know what they're struggling with? The same thing. The same thing. You want to abide in Christ? They want to love Christ? They want to obey Christ? And yet they're struggling How can I be faithful living for Christ? How can I be faithful living in accordance with God's will? And see what John does? John does just what the master did. He says, no, no, you cannot serve two masters. And so all of you, you cannot serve two masters. This is what God's word says. You must serve God or you serve this world. You can't serve both of them. That's what John says before you. You serve one or you serve the other. You can't serve them both. This is how you know you're serving God. You know that you're serving God because you want to do what he says in his word. In some measure, by his grace, you want to do it and you are doing just that. So friends, that's important for us. And that's important for at least two reasons. First off, there no doubt are people here today and you profess to be a Christian but you are not living in accordance with God's word. You're not living in accordance with his word. And guess what? You've got no real desire to do that. No, hey, you're happy being a good uh, country fella, country gal. Everybody likes you, lighthearted, but you've got no desire to be, live a life in obedience to God's word. John is saying to you, John's saying to you, if you're not a Christian, you need to come to grips with that. You need to realize you need God's grace. You need to be brushed. You don't, you don't just need to be freshened up or you don't need to be made a little bit better. You don't need to be uh, uh, a little tweaked. No, no, your problems are much, much worse than that, much deeper than that. You need to be saved by the very grace of God that will change your entire life. 
You need to know this, love of God that changes everything. So that's no doubt some people in this room. There are other people in this room. Christians. And you're, you wrestle with a lack of assurance because you live an imperfect life. And you know it's an imperfect life. John's saying, look, I'm not asking for perfect obedience. I'm asking this, and here's the question for you. Does your heart long to be obedient to God? Does your heart long to obey God's word? If the answer is yes, John says, I got some help for you then. And the rest of that, that help he's going to lay out in this book in, in, in the weeks to come. But there are only those two groups, aren't there? The non-Christian and the Christian. And here, just as I prayed at the beginning, this is the warfare. The greatest war going on in the world right now is not dealing with Hamas and the nation state of Israel. The greatest warfare going on in the world right now is in the hearts of man. And it's a spiritual warfare. And there are many that are deceived. Many who have grown up in the church and they're trusting in their work that they did something. But their life has no evidence of being changed. There's no testimony that says, I love God. And here it is. Here's the evidence of it. Is that you? Notice that, that, know that there's warfare going on right now. And so lay down your arms of rebellion and come to the one who will save you and change your entire life. And then there are those that are his. And this, is, this has been my challenge all week. I, I love God. I obey him imperfectly. Would you help me obey you more, Lord? And that'll let that be a testimony to the world and to everyone else that I'm yours. Would you make that your prayer today too, Christian? Lord, let me walk in obedience. Let me walk in the paths that Jesus walked. I love you, and Lord, let it show. Let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we come uh, to you, and if we have come claiming to be Christians, claiming um, just because we were raised in the church, maybe because we've been here for a long time, maybe because we're spiritual people, but Lord, we would rather live by the norms of this world than in accordance with your word. Lord, would you convict us? Would you show us our folly? Would you show us our Savior? Would you grant to us uh, faith and repentance that we would turn from this world and turn to you and that we would trust Christ savingly? Lord, if we have come this morning and this conflict is within us and, and there's this impulse to obey, but there's also this impulse in us, 
to do what we want to do, even when it's against your word, Lord, would you solidify in us that desire for you, that desire for your word, that you would by your spirit make us to triumph over our worldly and carnal desires. Lord, if we have come trusting in ourselves, and, and maybe we wouldn't put it that way, I know, Lord, but that's what we're doing. We're trusting ourselves. We're not trusting in Christ. We think we are good enough. We think we have done enough. Father, would you convict us that only one was good enough? Help us, O oh Lord, run from our own false Wretched righteousness to Jesus' glorious righteousness that we saw last week. And Lord, as we are clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ, Lord, may we be transformed. May we live differently. May we live humbly and dependently and gloriously and triumphantly in Christ. And Lord, may all the glory for that go to you. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.